0: Now, I went a little further in the verse, and I'll explain that in a moment because I was very inspired. So here's where we find ourselves. In October, we have been exploring dealing with disappointment. And certainly the longer that we live in this world and the more we're around human beings, the more we get to experience disappointment. And disappointment is sometimes internal, as we talked about last week, when we're disappointed in ourselves, what we have said and done and what we have not done. And this week, we're dealing with the kind of disappointment that is so pervasive sometimes and so difficult, and that is when we are disappointed in others, specifically other people. And sometimes for us, that's being disappointed in people that are our family and people that are in our circle of friends, people we love and that we don't want to be disappointed in. And then there's that added difficulty of disappointment. Sometimes our disappointment is with entire groups of people, People who have divergent understandings and say things that are in conflict with how we would want to talk to one another. And sometimes our disappointment in others is very much about how people are choosing to behave. And as we wrestle with that and what we're supposed to do with it, once we acknowledge that disappointment is a part of our being in this time, we have choices to make on what we do. And today, the example that comes to us from scripture is none other than God's reaction to this. The story in Genesis is that God is disappointed with other people. And God recognizes that people sin and they fall short of the glory in which they were created and gifted this wonderful world. And as God is looking out over the world and being bombarded by the hurtful and hateful things people are saying and doing, the text even mentions explicitly the violence of humankind. God feels very hopeless. The words about God grieving in God's heart that people were made is something that stops me in my tracks, but it also resonates. There are so many times over this period of isolation and frankly all of my studies of human history when I can feel a camaraderie with God's statement here. I look out and I see this habitual and continual violence and sin and it breaks my heart. And it's horrible for us to see sometimes the same behaviors and the same pain and suffering erupting and coming forth from humankind. And it makes us feel hopeless. Are we ever going to get any better? Are are we going to keep doing the same things we read about, not only in the New Testament, but the Old Testament, the things that humankind seems to have been doing from the very beginning of our existence? Hasn't Christ changed anything? Hasn't our faith? And our enlightenment and our understanding and growth and all of the knowledge that we have gained over countless generations, hasn't that changed anything? In fact, to use the colloquial phrase that my southern family used, sometimes you look out and you think the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And when we think about that and we start to feel that there's nothing that's ever going to change and there's nothing we can do, we can begin to feel very depressed and dark when we look at other people and that's not what God wants us to do. God has been there and God knows what that is like in the book of Genesis but then something happens and it is so incredible that God shows us this. God looks out once more on the earth and this time instead of a sea of sin and evil, God sees a shining light. God looks out and sees in the midst of all of this that seems so irredeemable and hopeless, God sees Noah. And Noah is not better than you and I. Noah is not a perfect person. In fact, right after we get through the same scripture that we used in our gathering liturgy, Noah has a big mistake. But what happens is that when the moment was right and God needed to find hope in humanity, there was noah trying to focus on his relationship with god trying to walk blameless all his days and because of that when god looked and saw noah the entire plan shifted before that god was just gonna wipe the earth clean like you would wipe down a blackboard or a whiteboard and just start again but noah and noah's desire to be a good person Changed the fate of the earth and because of that God said I'm going to focus on you I am going to focus on the one that is giving me hope the one that is showing me that Not all humankind is continually bad But that there are those who are striving to be good There are those that do treasure this relationship that I gift to them. There are those that warm my heart instead of grieving it And so God focuses on Noah, and something happens. The more God focuses on Noah, the more God starts to see other people in whom to have hope. God extends that to Noah's wife. God extends it to Noah's three sons and their wives. And suddenly we went from there is nothing to redeem on this earth to there is Noah and his family. And in addition to that, just perhaps there are others from whom we can draw redemption. And so God commands Noah and his family to bring on the ark two of every kind of the animals. And suddenly this ark is bigger than a boat, a container. It is now an incredible wooden womb from which new life and a new covenant will come and fill the earth. And as we have a moment to marvel at that, it all comes back to God looking at the world And looking at people and feeling so angry and hurt that God could have just ended all of it. But because of Noah, God found hope in humankind. And we are called to do the same thing. When you have been watching the news and you've been inundated with social media and you've been trying to get some kind of inspiration, but every time you turn around, people are saying and doing things that hurt us and hurt others and make us feel robbed of the hope that Christ came to give us, that's when we must look for the one who gives us hope. And in general terms, that, of course, is Jesus Christ. We are Christians, and we always look for Christ. But even more than that, we're called to look on people that embody Christ for us. And for some of us, that means looking at children and our grandchildren, looking at those that have not yet taken on the ways of this world in adulthood. We look at those who have this joy and that give us hope that maybe another generation will do better than ours and the ones that have come before we look at those people in our lives and maybe there is someone in your family maybe you're blessed to have one even in your household maybe it's a friend maybe it's somebody you haven't even talked to in a while perhaps it's a coworker or a neighbor or a fellow student maybe it's somebody that you don't even know their name but because of your interactions with them out in the world and in your community they give you hope look to them cling to the hope that you see in them that not all people are bad that there are people that show us and give us a glimpse of redemption and that perhaps we can have hope that there are those that despite everything that's going on right now in our lives and in our world there are good people who are trying to do the right thing and because of that it isn't a sea of sin and evil there are these bastions these beacons of light, and they give us that same hope that God found when God looked to Noah. But for those of us that have been in the church for any length of time, and for some of us who are lifelong Christians, I believe there's another layer of challenge that this story offers to us. That is that not only like God should we look for the Noahs, but perhaps it is time for us to strive to be the Noah. That each and every one of us who have been gifted the opportunity to walk for many years with Jesus Christ and to be a part of the body of Christ, it is now our turn to be intentional about striving to be good, to do the things that God has given to us that provide hope, to change our words to reflect that of Jesus Christ to change our actions and activities to reflect not selfish needs and desires and human sinfulness, but to make sure that people look at how we spend our time and the endeavors to which we devote not only our time and our talent, our gifts and our graces, but our resources so that they will find hope there. And so, when others are feeling this dark, depressing weight of looking at the world and looking at humankind, they won't feel like God felt. Instead, they'll have a chance to glimpse that same gift of hope in you. And that is truly the next place that we, as we are maturing on our journey, should look to go. And that takes intentionality, it takes some discipline. But first of all, it begins in our hearts. Do we want to be people whose legacy in this world is that we grieved so many hearts? Or do we want to be people that brought hope and inspired others to not only persevere and continue, but to take their rightful place as the next Noah in this world? Jesus spent time talking about a parable that we often invoke in the church, and that is the parable of the Good Shepherd, saying that the good shepherd is the one that will leave the 99 sheep to go find the one lost one. And sometimes there's an implicit negativity about that lost sheep. Did that sheep wander off? Maybe. But maybe that sheep was snatched. Maybe it got caught up in life. Or maybe that sheep is to draw attention and attention to the difference between the mass and the one. Perhaps we go seek the one so that we too can fulfill this prophetic parable that there is the worth of going to find the one and then to bring it back to bless the 99 that is one of the most strong emphases that the good shepherd goes and finds the one and then brings it back so that we may all celebrate together and continue to spread the blessing, the hope. And that's what we need to do. We need to not only look for our Noah, we need to share that, not only with the person who is serving as our Noah, but we need to tell other people where we find hope and in whom we find hope. And just perhaps you will be one of those people that in the midst of all of this trial and tribulation and pain and suffering of the last seven months of isolation, just perhaps you are serving as Noah for someone. And they look at you and they see not just a good Christian, a faithful disciple, a good friend or a beloved family member, but they see hope. And what could bring greater honor and glory to our God than to embody that which is the very best of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we push ourselves a little harder in the days to come to not only search out that one person who gives us hope, but to celebrate that, to embody it in our own beings, in our lives, our words, and how we choose to act toward others. Because the fate of the world is about how we choose to love and redeem, and hope is an important piece of both of those if we choose to be people who allow the presence of sin and evil to overcome our hope, then we are not clinging to the one who is embodied in eternal hope. But this is our call and our role. And God has seen with God's own eyes that one person can change everything. And what really changed everything was the impact that Noah's presence had on God, and if one flawed, mortal, imperfect person can do that and bring about a covenant that included not only his family, but all the earth, every creature, and a declaration that God will never again destroy this world by flood, then just what can your good acts, deeds, words, and life bring about in the days to come? May we all take our rightful place, building the kingdom and grounding it in hope. Thanks be to God for that message. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m., Please visit us online at www.crosayunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.